standing on a bridge on Cortland Avenue over the Chicago River. I can see both sides of the riverbank. It's vacant land right now. I can see the entire Chicago skyline. And I'm basically between the neighborhoods of Lincoln Park and Wicker Park. This is where developer Sterling Bay wants to build an entirely new neighborhood. Plans for the land along the north branch of the river have been winding their way through the Byzantine City Council process for the last year or so, and Mayor Rahm Emanuel wants to get it locked in before he leaves office in May. Items number four and five, I move passage on the next two items by the same vote because they both pertain to the Lincoln Yards proposal. The new neighborhood is estimated to cost $6 billion, and Mayor Emanuel wants to dedicate about a billion dollars of future tax revenue to this project. With the clock ticking and a heated runoff election just weeks away, this proposal to build a mini downtown on the river using public money has a lot of people really pissed. Hi, everybody. This is On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. Today, we'll explain the political mudslinging going on in the fight over this muddy riverfront and what it means in this pivotal moment in Chicago. Joining me today are WBEZ's Linda Lutton and Claudia Morell. Hi, guys. Hello. So the idea of Lincoln Yards actually got put in motion years ago. Um, In July 2017, the city council lifted a zoning designation that said this riverfront area had to be used for things like manufacturing. Since then, there's been all kinds of speculation and buying up property. Claudia, can you explain what the change to the riverfront zoning did, particularly in this North Branch area? Yeah, so it actually goes all the way back to 2016 when uh, the new commissioner of planning and development, David Reifman, uh, he had been in the job for about a year and decided that he was going to overhaul a lot of the zoning code. And one of the issues that he wanted to change was these planned manufacturing districts or PMDs, which were these special uh, zoning districts where it said that you could only build uh, manufacturing in this part of the city. And North Branch is the first PMD and the largest PMD. You know, maybe one thing to point out here is the planned manufacturing districts were they were sort of protected areas for industry. And a lot of times in cases like neighborhoods like the one we're talking about here, there was a lot of pressure on the industrial areas. Big warehouses were now seen as potentially desirable for residential to turn them into lofts. And the notion behind planned manufacturing districts when the city introduced those was actually to protect jobs and protect manufacturing in those in those districts from the real estate pressure they were seeing. And so in 2016, they did a whole bunch of studies about uh, economic trends, uh, what jobs were in the area, and they found that, you know, there weren't a lot of manufacturing jobs like there were back in the 1990s. And they decided that they were going to divide it up into three parcels. So like the Lincoln Yards development is just one piece of the massive redesign of the North Branch River. And this area before it was rezoned, had did it have factories in it? Did it have industry? What was there? Uh, well, yeah, the Finkel Steel site was there. Uh, the city's two uh, FM, the Fleet and Facility Management uh, main 
vehicle warehouse. So essentially a maintenance yard was on prime riverfront property uh, right across from the Home Depot. I don't know if you saw it. And there's also Morton Salt. If you ever drive on the Kennedy and you see that uh that paint is it a painting? Would you call it a painting of the girl with the umbrella? The umbrella, and the salt? yeah. <laughs> She's got the like yellow dress and the purple umbrella. Yeah. Um, so in July of 2017, the council takes a big vote about this particular area of the river where Morton Salt is. <laughs> After the Department of Planning and Development hosted uh, dozens of community meetings and did all these economic and land use surveys, uh, they introduced a formal plan to remove the PMD, and that was back in July of 2017. And it needed city council approval, like any zoning change. And there were two no votes uh, from the two aldermen that um, have wards that are right next to the river. So one of them was uh, Scott Wagesback of the 32nd Ward, and the other one was Michelle Smith of Lincoln Park. This is an opportunity for a better Chicago, and we shouldn't squander it in our rush. And what will the tangible benefit be to the people who are living in this area? In the land rush that is now already underway along our priceless riverfront, That's Alderman Michelle Smith in 2017 at a city council meeting in which they changed the zoning of this area of the riverfront. Since then, developers have been buying up land. Sterling Bay, they've bought up a bunch of land. Claudia, talk about what they've acquired. Yeah, so Sterling Bay bought uh, the Finkel Steel site and then also the 2FM site, which is the Department of Fleet and Facilities Management, the vehicle warehouse. So they were uh, located right next to each other. So I don't know how many acres it is, but it is a massive swath of riverfront land. And I can't remember off the top of my head how much they paid for it, but it wasn't like one of those land deals where the city just gave it for a dollar, which the city does. Um, In fact, the city wanted to make money off of it so that they could move the 2FM site to Inglewood and use uh, a part of the proceeds to pay for the new police and fire training academy in West Garfield Park. And this part is important because it leads to why this development was able to pass, because there were so many um, concessions to different parts of the city where someone felt like they got something out of it. DPD says this project's been years in the making, but the community feels like this is being rushed through, that they've been in the dark, um, and that they're not involved in the process. That all came to a head last week at a meeting of the zoning committee. Uh, A lot of new information has come in recently, and there's still so much to digest, especially for a project uh, that is this broad. and, um, And so as acting chair, I will defer these two items. Linda, who are we hearing here? What are we hearing? Well, that was Alderman James Kappelman. He has become, uh, thanks to another corruption scandal in Chicago, uh, he has become the chair of the zoning committee. The interim chair becomes important. He, right there in that tape you just heard, is saying he wants to defer Lincoln Yards. He wants to hold up a vote. And he's referring to some changes that were made in the very last hours before this got to the committee. He's under intense pressure. Uh, Just 36 hours prior, protesters were at his office. Uh, A little while later, they were in his front lawn. 
He's in a runoff, uh, and he's got a challenger. Members of her team actually joined the protesters. So we're back here in city council. That cheering you here are all the protesters. Order, They're please. delighted that Kappelman is going to defer this. And just as fast, there's Alderman Walter Burnett, who says, not so fast. So actually, we haven't voted you in as chairman. They put you here to run the meetings, but you're not the chairman. You don't run zoning in other people's wards. This is not your ward. I move that we vote on this Order. item. I move that we vote on this item. I move that we vote on this item. You can't hear him on the tape, but right away, out of the wings, an attorney for the city appears and says, oh, no, we have to go forward. We're going to vote on whether we are voting or not. Voting to vote right now. You are voting to allow a vote to occur. Yes. Now, this has never happened in recent memory. People can't remember a time where a committee chair, especially a powerful committee like the zoning committee, where the chair doesn't have control over what's heard or not. It's a fundamental power that these committee chair people have. But this is Chicago. Right. And Kappelman isn't the only alderman who's facing a lot of heat over Lincoln Yards and trying to get some political cover here. Who else is under pressure and why don't people in other parts of the city want this project to move forward? Well, you hear a lot of complaints about why do we have money to prioritize a whole new neighborhood? We're essentially building an entirely new neighborhood when we can't seem to find money for schools or for mental health clinics. This is something that's come up a lot. Here's an example. Just before this committee hearing, Rafael Yanez, he's a challenger in the 15th Ward. That's on the south side. It includes back of the yards and parts of Englewood. Um, he says he's tired of what he calls hypocrisy. Why are we spending $1.3 billion and we're refusing to address the needs of our neighborhoods in the south and the west side of Chicago? We need to make sure that we invest in our mental health clinics. We need to make sure that we invest in our public education. And the guy that Yanez is challenging, Alderman Ray Lopez, he's supporting the deal. We have a project that's going to create 10 thousand construction jobs just for this project alone. 24,000 permanent jobs. Those are people in my neighborhood on the southwest side of Chicago. Those are African Americans, Latinos, members of the trades, people who are in desperate need of opportunities to work. And it's very conspicuous that people are standing in opposition saying, no, we can keep waiting. Those neighborhoods can't keep waiting. So two really different takes. But clearly, incumbents are under fire, under pressure, uh, incumbents who are in runoff elections. Which brings us to this week. We had a full city council meeting where all 50 aldermen had to vote on this deal that passed out a zoning committee. And again, there are protesters and aldermen have a lot to say. Claudia, you were at this meeting. Let's break down a little bit of the politics of this deal and what we were hearing from aldermen. Yeah, I went into this uh, meeting on Wednesday not sure if the item was going to go through. I actually was uh, prepared for someone to use a parliamentary procedure, what's known as defer and publish, a DNP, 
which only takes two aldermen to essentially say, no, no one on the city council is going to vote on this today and we're going to table it. One of the reasons why aldermen like Raymond Lopez of Back of the Yards and Carrie Austin from the far south side were very supportive of this project because DPD has created these programs where they use developments like Lincoln Yards to get developers to pay money into these funds, these opportunity bonus funds. And it's a way that the mayor um, hands out grants to these neighborhoods. And so they say, you need to approve this because we're going to benefit from it. And, you know, Lopez, he even referred to that. He said, when you see these gleaming skyscrapers downtown, that's good for us in our neighborhood. Alderman Anthony Beal of uh, Pullman talked about this. If you vote no, I'm going to be the first one to make sure that you don't get the resources from this project to help your particular ward. But if you get on board and help us out, I will be the first one to help the entire city because one thing about me, I'm not selfish. I'm all about lifting up the entire city and not just one side of it. So when it came time for the vote, uh, the local alderman, Brian Hopkins, he's a freshman, and he didn't have any challengers this cycle. He stressed to his colleagues that what's before us today is a very simple matter. It is a zoning amendment in the second ward. Nothing more, nothing less. A simple zoning change in my ward. And I'm urging your support as my colleagues the same way that many of you over the years have asked me to support zoning changes in your ward, which I have done. Yeah, no no second downtown built north of the loop, right? <laughs> it's just a small issue in his one little ward. It's not a mini city. We're not, we're not revolutionizing anything here. But there were a lot of aldermen who were not, were not having it. Yeah, including uh, Alderman Harry Osterman. This is Schomburg Yards, not Lincoln Yards. But I have two core problems with this. First is how we're paying for this. It's been talked about that, you know, we're helping them along or they're making this major investment. We are creating a tiff between Lincoln Park and Bucktown on blighted area. Blighted area. Are you kidding me? Bucktown and Lincoln Park, $900 million that we're going to be tied to for 23 years. We have to pay for pensions and city services and police and everything else. For 23 years, we're locked in on this. Another alderman who voted against it uh, is Southside Alderman Leslie Harrison. Uh, She represents South Shore and Jackson Park, and she's in a tough runoff. We talk about the communities that we represent and what our people want, and instead we talk about creating a whole new neighborhood when we got a whole bunch of them here that need a whole lot of investment. We have to stop begging for crumbs, people. They get billions, we get a little. And then the vote comes down, and we have 14 aldermen who vote no. Claudia, help listeners understand why that number is so important. The 14 no votes was pretty remarkable because, one, it was a simple zoning change, which almost never has this much opposition. Uh, Usually there's just an abstention uh, for a conflict of interest. Uh, And second is that the vote happened at a very strange time, like in between these two major elections from the general and the runoff, where there are a lot of veteran aldermen who are fighting for their political lives. I mean, we saw aldermen... Ariel Reboiris vote no, and I can't remember the last time I've seen him vote no for anything um, because these are people that have just been 
very closely tied with the mayor and, you know, thought that uh, voting yes was too risky because, you know, what's in it for them? And, you know, one thing to note is there's been various hurdles here, and this was another one, but upcoming is the financing of this whole deal, which is a fundamental problem for many of the people who oppose it. This notion of giving taxpayer money to help uh, private developers build a whole new neighborhood. I sort of wonder what those 14 no votes will mean for our next vote, which is this tax money, the TIF. Can one of you explain to me who benefits the most from such a big, massive development, this mini city on the river? Who wants this kind of development? The city's business interests, uh, the city's business communities. I mean, this vote comes literally a month after New York City said to Amazon, get out of our town. And Mayor Rahm Emanuel has been very vocal about his desire to make Chicago a pro-business, pro-growth city. And he thinks that the only way that Chicago is going to move forward is if we have people spending money here. And the only way people are going to spend money here is if we say, we're going to help you out. Both of the mayoral candidates had wanted a delay in this. Uh, Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle, they thought it was a rush job. And Mayor Emanuel, a lot of people said this was about his legacy because this is a legacy project and it really furthers Mayor Richard M. Daly's goal of making Chicago Paris on the Prairie. And I mean, I would add that in terms of who benefits, you know, you also have to look at Chicago's political elite. The way that development works, you know, this is the growth machine that you hear talked about. It's so symbiotic. The The politicians that support this type of growth and the business community that benefits from it, it's completely intertwined to the point where one, one thing that surprised me covering this is how little you see Sterling Bay, the developer. Brian Hopkins, the alderman, Mayor Rami Manuel, and in fact, the commissioner of the Department of Planning and Development, whose job it is, is to protect Chicagoans and plan development for all of Chicago. They have played the role, really, of stand-ins for Sterling Bay. Of defending this project. Of ushering against it through the people city in the neighborhoods who say, hey, wait a minute. Of lobbying for it. Right. What do you think this project will mean for the city going forward? Well, I think what we have to see about it is that it further concentrates wealth in the part of the city where most of our wealth is already concentrated. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of an undeniable fact. I think people who are concerned about segregation, about this sort of tale of two cities that we have, the haves and the have-nots, are really concerned about that. If we talk about the housing part of it, 6,000 units, most of it, uh, high-end housing, uh, will have a tremendous impact on the entire north side. Everybody calls this, whether whether they support it or oppose it, everybody calls this a transformative project. This is going to change the face of Chicago. And this is happening at a point where Chicago is moving more to the left with a progressive mayor. Either one is going to be very progressive, more progressive than Mayor Emanuel, and a more independent city council. To top off the irony here, you know, it looks like a final vote on the money part of this could take place in this interim between when elections happen 
and when the next city council and mayor are seated. So a complete lame duck administration at all levels. That is incredibly Chicago. Thanks so much, Linda and Claudia. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today. Reporting for this episode comes from Linda Lutton, Claudia Morrell, and me, Becky Vivi. Our editor is Kate Cahan. Our producer is James Edwards. You can rate, review, subscribe, and download the On Background podcast in Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org politics and always on air at 91.5 FM. 